Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. COVID-19 infections can lead to long-term neurological issues. Have you felt that since a COVID-19 infection, you're experiencing more brain fog or difficulty remembering things, perhaps even months later? If so, don't worry, you're not alone. Over half the people globally have been infected with COVID, some more than once, and many of them are now reporting changes in their memory or overall cognitive function. In fact, many people who had COVID have reported persistent neurologic changes even months after the COVID infection cleared. One of our own writers at Noise Filter has experienced this, reporting problems with their memory and experiencing symptoms of depression, neither of which were present before their bout with COVID-19. According to a recent study published in Nature Medicine, COVID-19 infections have contributed to at least 40 million new cases of neurological disorders worldwide. This study is one of the first comprehensive assessments of the long-term neurological consequences of COVID infections, providing valuable information regarding its long-term effects. The study looked at the incidence of 44 different neurological disorders ranging from memory and mental health disorders to movement and sensory disorders in over 154,000 people one year after having COVID. The researchers found that there was an increase in brain problems in previously healthy individuals one year following infection. In addition, even people who had mild infections and were not hospitalized experienced an increase in neurologic disorders, the most common being brain fog and memory problems. Compared to the control group, people who contracted COVID-19 had a 77% increased risk of having memory problems. For some, these memory problems eventually resolve, but many people have reported that they have persisted to some degree. Our writer here at Noise Filter said that they've been struggling with their memories, especially word retention, ever since their second COVID infection, which occurred in January of 2022. This writer has described it as having a word on the tip of their tongue, but not being able to recall it. For a writer, you can imagine how frustrating this can be. This study emphasizes the growing need for governments and health systems to start developing and implementing plans for our post-COVID world. I wouldn't hold my breath. (laughs) Millions of people are likely already experiencing some form of post-COVID neurological symptoms, and that number may continue to increase as the pandemic rolls on. You know, I've had COVID once. I know ever since then, I have been hyper aware or sensitive on edge about any long-term COVID symptoms. Like I am so aware and scared of anything that may come because of COVID now. Of course. I mean, 15 to 20% of people who get COVID can develop long COVID and these symptoms are devastating. Mm -hmm. Uh, And seeing people whose lives have changed so dramatically, you know, this week, Dr. Fauci has uh, been making statements saying that long COVID is a public health emergency, Mm. as is the head of the WHO. But the effects, the devastating neurologic effects of long COVID are terrible. 
COVID-19 vaccine mRNA can be detected in breast milk. The mRNA COVID-19 vaccine that was released back in 2021 was pivotal to fighting the pandemic and still is. However, the initial clinical trials testing the safety and efficacy of these vaccines excluded several important groups of people, such as young children and breastfeeding individuals. You know, I remember when this was going on, I was so upset. Like, why are they not including breastfeeding? Uh, I can explain that. It's a, it's a good question. It's because what they're trying to do is, is when you're looking at these so-called subpopulations, um, it there's going to be issues that are going to arise. Okay. So the best thing to do is look at the low hanging fruit, get the most obvious answers that you can get uh, first, then go back and start doing some of that specialized population, such as children or pregnant or breastfeeding individuals. And so, so that's why it, it usually is go for the biggest group at first mm-hmm. and then go start looking at the smaller groups after that. And that's just the way it just makes sense to do it that way. No, and, and hearing it explained makes complete sense. But I also know that this what that message wasn't given to people that were that needed it in the beginning, right? Like there was so much uncertainty happening. And this 100%. message wasn't given to people. And they, I wish they'd have done a little bit better job of explaining that. One hundred percent. Currently, the FDA has advised that children under the age of six months should not receive the vaccine until more clinical trial data is available. But the CDC still recommends that lactating individuals get the vaccine. If vaccine mRNA is able to be passed from breastfeeding to the infant, however, that would mean that infants younger than six months might be exposed to the vaccine, even though it was not recommended for them. A recent study published in JAMA Pediatrics investigated whether or not the COVID-19 vaccine mRNA was expressed in the breast milk of lactating individuals who received the vaccine within six months of childbirth. This study consisted of 11 lactating individuals who received either Moderna or Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Samples of the breast milk were taken from these individuals before vaccination and consistently after vaccination. Out of the 11 individuals, trace amounts of mRNA from both Moderna and Pfizer were found in breast milk samples from five different individuals. There was no detection of vaccine mRNA in the breast milk samples beyond 48 hours post-vaccination. So these are individuals who are breastfeeding and getting vaccinated. And within a couple of days, mRNA from the vaccine was being found in breast um, milk. Although the sample size was small, this information is still extremely important for parents and lactating individuals to be aware of, especially as we head into our next round of COVID booster shots. Unfortunately, this is not the first time vulnerable groups have been excluded from clinical trials. Historically speaking, many drug trials have failed to study how drugs affect people of different sex, race, and age. Doing a better job of representing all individuals that may be affected by the uh, introduction of the new medicine is important, and the team at Noise Filter created a short animation to shine a light on this topic. The animation explains how certain groups of people have traditionally been excluded from medical trials and the importance of including them in the future in order to get a clearer picture of how drugs and new treatments will affect the population at large, as well as showing any variety in the outcomes that may be experienced by population subgroups. So you can check out those animations at noisefiltershow.com to learn more about the topic. It'll be called Clinical Trials. So back to the breastfeeding study, it's important to mention that the researchers did not assess whether the COVID vaccine mRNA found in the breast milk samples was translationally active, meaning whether it would produce an immune response to the breastfeeding infant. 
but it does highlight an important discovery in the biodistribution of COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. While the scientists acknowledged the relatively small sample size and lack of data about repeated breastfeeding, they stated that in most cases, they believed it was safe to breastfeed after maternal COVID-19 vaccination. However, they did advise caution about breastfeeding children younger than six months in the first 48 hours after maternal vaccination until more safety studies are conducted. This is important information as we head into the winter. Would they push to get more people boosted? It's always a good reminder of the importance of conducting well-rounded clinical trials that include all types of individuals, especially when it comes to drugs, vaccines, and treatments that are going to be widely publicized and recommended to the general public. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>